Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello, and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. This is your host, Joel Mark Harris. Today, we interview Isabelle Mercier. She is the co-founder and CEO of Leap Zone Strategies and one of the most influential branding, marketing, and customer experience keynote speakers. Isabel is a no-nonsense dynamo, born to catapult passionate entrepreneurs and thought leaders to build businesses and brands designed to make life better. As one of North America's top business influencers, best-selling authors, two-time TEDx speaker with 2.5 million views and a TV show host. Isabel brings 25 years of branding, marketing, and customer expertise. She has worked with over 500 companies, including some influential and iconic brands like A&W, Robie's Footwear, Earl's Restaurants, IMAX Corporation, HSBC Investments, just to name a few. Isabel teaches us how to grow business and brands that are designed to thrive in any economy, including a COVID economy, by being and remaining the first, the best, and the only. This is a great interview. Isabel gives us so much information. We talk a lot about branding, about marketing. I highly recommend that you uh, re-listen, re-watch this, uh, and take notes because there's so much great information. Isabel is such a expert. Um, you will definitely enjoy this episode. Uh, so without further ado, here is Isabel. Isabel, thank you so much for being on the show. I know you're super busy. Uh, so thank you for t- taking the time. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. And I'm honored to be on your podcast anytime, my friend, as you know. And I know that this, uh, this podcast will be of maximum value to your community. Well, I know uh, having you on, it will be. Uh, so I want to jump right into your company, Leap Zone Strategies. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys do, who you serve, and even um, if you want to go into uh, why you started it? Yeah, you know, I mean, Leap Zone, uh, we are three companies into one. So imagine a branding agency, a marketing agency and a coaching agency all into one. So basically what we do at Leap Zone is we look under the hood of a company, of a product, of a brand, and we look at what is working, what is not working, and what needs to be tweaked and what needs to be elevated, what needs to be stopped, what needs to be innovated in order for uh, the company, the CEO or the small business owner to be positioned as the first, the best, or the only. So basically, we are a positioning company that helps entrepreneurs with no-nonsense tools and guidance to really help them grow their business and their brand to a whole new level of impact, of influence, and of profitability. And so who do you help? Are you mainly small businesses? Because I know you've worked with large companies as well. Who, Who would you say your ideal target is? 
yeah, we have a few different uh, ideal clients. So, you know, in the small business world, uh, an ideal client for, because we have different offerings for different, uh, I used to only work with large organizations. And when I went to speak on stage in small business events or uh, social media events or stuff like that, um, people would say, oh my God, do you have a book? Do you have something? We'd love to work with you but we feel like you're only working for large organizations. So I created a, a, a program, a coaching program that's called Build to Rock. And Build to Rock is definitely designed for solopreneurs and micropreneurs and couplepreneurs that are small, but wanting to grow and wanting to scale. So anywhere from a heart-led company um, super small, like even less than $50,000 a year, all the way to uh, $50 million companies. The sweet spot for our higher end coaching is for companies that are above $500,000 a year. However, we do have coaching specifically for our build to rockers, right? Because it's the same architecture. It's the same, the same way is utilized for building a large organization or helping a large organization all those architecture and steps have to be established in the small organizations in order for them to grow. So we have an array of different offerings all the way from free, um, all the way to, you know, $100,000, depending on who we work with, right? But we do, have, we do have a lot tailored for the small business and the small entrepreneur because they are the future of great brands and great companies, right? What uh, is some of the common challenges you see uh, businesses come to you for and how do you help them? Well, you know, the majority of the people that come to us are either not generating what they want to generate, right? They're either not as impactful as they had hoped to be. They're not as influential as they would have hoped to be. Or they're just, they thought that their products or service was going to take off and it didn't quite work that way. So what we do is we, we do look under the hood. We have our own methodology called the Liebzone Trifecta, where we look at how is this product or business or person positioned, right? What's the positioning? Then we look at the personality, personality of the person, the brand, the product, the company. And then we look at the performance, right? So positioning, personality, performance. And in the performance, this is where we look at what is working well, what is not working well, what is missing in the architecture of the company. So the positioning would be strategy. The personality would be branding and brand elevation. And then performance would be coaching. So ongoing coaching. And I know that you know that I've had a few companies in my career. My first company was a strictly design and branding agency. So what we took care of is the cosmetic side of a company, right? The look and feel of a brand. But a brand is so much more than a look and feel. And so the reason why we let go of that, we sold that company and started Leap Zone is because we felt that handing a cosmetic brand to a company doesn't help them grow and scale. It helps partly, and I don't mean to diminish the value of an amazing cosmetic brand. Obviously, it's important. But just that alone doesn't actually 10x or 5x or 2x a company. So that's why we decided to let go of that company, sell it, because we thought it was going to be easier to sell 
and start from scratch in a new positioning versus dragging this other company that was known for A and now we wanted it to be known for B, right? So that's why we did that. We thought that our offerings were amazing, but they were not complete to actually really help move the needle for the companies that we're helping. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Makes perfect sense and totally agree with you on that. It's, it's one thing to have like a nice polished look, but that often is not enough, especially I think in today's world with, you know, COVID and, you know, we're, we're competing with uh, everybody, you know, in the world, right? With technology, you know, with, we were talking about Zoom earlier and it, it's super easy for somebody to hire a company across the world, right? And you have to compete with that. So I think, um, you know, brand is super important. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on that or- I do, I yeah. do. Thank <laughs> I you for you opening the door, I do. You yeah. know, uh, there are a lot of misconceptions about branding. A lot of mm. people think branding is a logo, branding mm. is a web page, or branding is a product or a service. And, and of course, all of those things are important to a brand. You know, if you don't have a way, a visual trigger to be recognized as a brand, then you won't have a brand. But a brand is so much more than a logo so much more than a, than a website. In fact, I, I always talk about a website as your best spokesperson. But a spokesperson have, has to know what to say and how to say it in an intelligent manner, right? So most small business owners where they go astray is they believe that by having a logo, they now have a brand. No, you know, it takes years to build a brand. And a brand is how people feel when they buy your product or experience your service. It's branding is what people say when you're not in the room anymore, right? Once you've left the room, what do they say about you? So we all have a brand, no matter what, like you have your own brand within your organization brand. I am my own brand within Leapsoft. So we all are a brand, whether we know it or not. The key is to be in control of that brand, right? So branding is about being very, very clear about what you do, how you do it better than anyone else. Why would someone choose you over anyone else, even if you were more expensive? And, and who you're best suited to serve? Because a lot of people, you know, they want to say, I serve the small business world. It's like, well, that's 95% of all businesses on the planet. Like, that's really why, right? I call that speaking to the whole jungle. If you want to speak, if you want to work with lions, you've got to learn the lion's language. You've got to learn where the lions hang out. You've got to learn, most, and most importantly, what, is, what are the top biggest problems that lions have to continually deal with so that you can construct and offer products and services and ideas and innovation to solve the lion's problems. Now, that doesn't mean that if a giraffe comes along and goes, hey, what's the kafafel? I want in. Of course, you might not say no. It's your prerogative to go, hey, giraffe, I can help you too. But you're not going to invest your hard-earned money and time and energy in speaking to the whole jungle because that, that doesn't lead anywhere. And most people say, well, I don't want to cut myself too short with options. It's the contrary. If you speak to the whole jungle, nobody listens. So I'll give you an example. If you're in a room at an event full of people, and you have something to offer for the Johns of the world, let's say. If you said, hey, everybody, hey, everybody, hey, everybody's talking, they're all busy talking. You're like, hey, everybody, 
hey, I've got something, I've got something for you. If you actually take the mic and go, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt here. All the Johns in this room, please come to the stage. I've got something for you. All the Johns in this room. <gasps> Boom, you're gonna hear a pin drop. All the Johns are gonna come to the, uh, to the stage. And then everybody else is gonna wonder what the kafafel is and are gonna want in. That's the power of understanding what you do, how you do it better than anyone else, what makes you different, right? What makes you the first, the best, or the only, and who you're best suited to help so they can hear you, right? Mm. So, yeah, so that's what I, and there's so much more to say about branding, but for now, I'll leave it there. And if you have other questions, we'll tackle them. <laughs> <laughs> Tons, yeah. Uh, I know Apple is an overused example, but I just thought of that, of Apple, um, when you mentioned that, because you know, Apple, I think Apple products were made for very, you know, a very targeted market. And then a lot of people were like, oh man, Apple's cool. Like I, I want in, I want, you know, that feeling of, of not being in the club, um, I think really um, spoke to a lot of people. And that's why Apple exploded as it did. But um, and anyway. I'm going to add, I'm just going to yeah. add something to your Apple example, because I see a lot of small business owners that have 75 offerings. And they're super small. They, they generate less than $100,000 a year. And then they have like the confusion of 75 different offerings. Whereas Apple doesn't even have 75 products. Apple has very few products mm. and they are a multi-billion dollar company, right? So it's, it's not about the quantity of offers. It's about the innovation and the quality. And most importantly, what new normal is your offer creating as opposed mm -hmm. to how many offers do I have? So yeah, hope that, hope that that's helps. yeah, very good point for sure. Um, so for people who want, you know, they feel like they need to improve their brand or they need to stand out, um, but they're feeling overwhelmed by the whole process. What is some good, you know, starting steps to, to think about branding? Well, I will tell you, this is precisely why I created Build to Rock because of all this overwhelm out there of people going, oh my God, I am not positioned. I do not know what I stand for. Um, I, the best thing that describes me is I'm the best or I'm the, I'm, I offer quality. And that's precisely why I thought, oh my God, these small business owners have no chance in, on this planet if they don't actually have these key ingredients in place. And so in my Build to Rock program, I talk about overall, what is branding? What are the branding ingredients that you need to have way before the look and feel of your logo and of the, all of that? Because the information that I'm about to share here is what informs the look and feel and not the other way around. You could have the best looking website ever and yet not converting at all. Yet you could have a less awesome looking website but a website that actually is constructed to solve problems and to communicate how they solve problems, and they would do way better than someone who's beautifully positioned, for example. So the key is to really understand first and foremost, what makes you different. So if you're a coach, there are millions of coach, uh, coaches out there. They all can actually say that they they can help you grow. Everybody can actually say the same thing, right? They're a coach, therefore they can help you um, advance in your business. And it now becomes a question of price. It's like, oh, well, if this coach and this coach and this coach seemingly does the same thing, do the same thing, then I'm gonna go with the one that, one, I connect most with 
and two, the one that's less expensive. I mean, that would be a human um, human habit to do, right? To actually go, oh, well, I'll go with the one I communicate better with, which is good, and then I'll go with the least expensive. Now, the key is to have a process, a proprietary process. The key is for, for you to be able to explain clearly to your ideal client or to your ideal prospect why they should pick you as a coach. And I use a coach example because everybody now, everybody and their dogs uh, claim to be a coach, which is nice and problematic because, you know, well, I think it's more problematic than anything. However, there are some amazing coaches out there that do deserve to be seen and actually be hired, but they're now lost in the sea of sameness and in the sea of a whole bunch of people doing the same thing. This is why we have our lead zone trifecta, right? We have our own framework that derives from my 30 years experience in business of owning, of operating, and of, have, of having helped hundreds of business owners. So I've created my own methodology, my own framework. And when I explain why people choose us instead of anyone else, people understand it. I have a visual to explain it. I go through it. People go, oh my God, you take care of. So as I said earlier, positioning, personality, performance. But within these three uh, pillars, there are eight key areas for growth. Time management, brand and culture, strategy, um, technology, KP, money and KPIs. So not to name them all, but there are eight key areas for growth that we look under the hood and we help our clients with. So when we go through this trifecta, and if, you, if you're with me on a call and you now know that, and then you go to another coach for a comparison and the other coach says, you know, I have 25 years experience. Um, I can help you in, in moving your, your business and in growing your business. Well, which company are you going to trust more? Me, who's actually explained to you my proprietary process, proven process, and that you recognize all these areas, you recognize a lack and mm. a problem in your company versus someone who doesn't have that and actually says, well, you know, I'm just a bit, I'm just an awesome coach. Well, the answer is clear, right? So the key is to have a clear X factor. And I go through that in my Built to Rock program, as well as in the coaching that accompanies the Built to Rock program, so that no one in the service or product industry business anymore um, don't know what makes them different. Because I'll tell you this, and you know this as much as I do, selling other people's product or service is way easier than selling our own. Mm. Selling products is much easier than selling a service let alone selling your own service. We call that a genius-based business. So for those of you out there who have a service business, which is called a genius-based um, business, you need to have a very clear genius-based architecture in order for you to feel super on fire and unstoppable to be able to actually promote and sell your heart, right? Your own services, which is the hardest business model to be in, yet it's the most popular and it attracts people who have no idea about business and are very, very good about, you know, baking pies. If you're very good about baking pies, it doesn't make you a good pie company owner, right? So this is why I, I created Build to Rock is to teach small business owners in a service or product industry to really understand what it takes to build a business from their genius.
Mm. Well, I hope uh, my listeners and viewers are taking notes on this because you are just spewing such good information. Um, and it's hard to know where to go next, but I'd like to kind of take you back. Um, and, you know, you've, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. Has that always been a passion for you? And can you tell us a little bit about how you started out? Yeah. Um, yes, I believe I am unemployable. Uh, <laughs> As most entrepreneurs are. As yeah. <laughs> most entrepreneurs are. Yes. You know what? I was raised in a hairdresser salon. Um, my mom's a hairdresser. My dad was a radio TV talk show host. And so I was raised in a, in a TV radio station as well as a hairdresser salon. Uh, most, a lot of people in my family are entrepreneurs. So I do have some entrepreneurship in my blood. Um, and it started literally at the hair salon when I helped my, I could not wait to come back from school at even a wee age, like seven, eight, nine years old. I couldn't wait to come back from school to actually come and have amazing conversations with my mom's clients and also do shampoos and, and help serve coffee. And so I learned about creating outstanding customer experiences from a really, really young age. And when you come from a place where customer service is high on the list and you come from an, a, a, business, a family of entrepreneurs, then you go and experience the world and you're like, what is wrong with this world? Nobody's doing well. Like nobody's actually wowing and delighting anybody. So I thought my world was the world and it wasn't. So I dedicated my, the past 30 years of my life to help entrepreneurs and large organizations and CEOs and C-suites create outstanding cultures so that consumers and clients can experience outstanding customer experience, right? And so um, that's truly kind of how it all started. Um, and so with brands, is there a difference between a small brand and a large brand and should the, the owner look at brand differently or is it pretty much the same process no matter how large of a company you are working in or for? Yeah, it's the same process. Um, absolutely, the difference between a large well-known brand and a small not known brand is usually the large well-known brand understands the value of what I've shared here, right? Mm -hmm. They don't skip steps to just go to the visual they are clear about what they're offering, what I call it, what is the new normal that you want to create, right? Apple created a completely new normal just by going, what if, what if one day we can hold the world in the palm of our hands? What if we could do everything from a device in our hands, watch TV, listen to music. I mean, the Walkman is a long ways out, right? Lots of, of uh, improvements have been done. But truly, we have to have entrepreneurs that have a vision about bettering the world. How is your product or service going to better the world? And then it's about not being afraid to invest, invest in time and money and invest in coaching and guidance because that's what the big boys do. They have people to help them. They have long, I call it long runways, right? The larger brands understand brand influence. They understand brand positioning. And they put a lot of time, money, and effort in elongating their runway, which means that they can go a lot longer without a client and spending money than you do, you out there on this in this community, not just you, <laughs> right? 
But so the key is you can't outrun them on their own runway. You have to outrun them on a different, or different runway. And I have a talk called Helpfulness is the New Hustle, where I teach about out-educating your competitors, out, um, outwitting your competitors, right? And out-helping um, your clients and your prospects, where I teach ways to get your brand up in influence and up in impact without spending money at all. It's all things that you can do without spending money. But the big brands understand that it requires money and time and energy to build something worth talking about. Mm. And it's definitely, I think, the education piece as well, because uh, a lot of uh, you know, young entrepreneurs, they don't, they don't have the experience, they don't have the knowledge that those uh, bigger brands and the, the CEOs and the C-suites that, uh, that they have, right? And the key here, as you said, education, right? And I don't mean go to Harvard and get yourself some education. I mean, in your marketing, there is such a thing as educational-based marketing. So an educational-based marketing doesn't cost anything other than your time recording a masterclass or a webinar or something, right? But the more you're out there talking about the problems that your ideal clients have and then talking about a solution, the, the, the other challenge that small business owners do is they talk about their solution too fast. Mm-hmm. You have to show me, like if I had a big sore bruise here, and I wanted a, a solution for this. You know, you'd have to go, is this where it hurts? And then here, does it hurt here? How about when I press harder here? Does it hurt here? Ah, yes, it does. You can't just go, here's a cream, right? You have to actually talk more about problems, known problems, unknown problems. Hmm. For example, if you have back, lower back pain, chances are it's not the back that's the issue. It's either your knees, your hips, or your feet probably. chance that it's actually your back. But most people, what do they complain about? They don't say, I have a back problem, I must have a foot issue. No, they go, I have back problem. So if my marketing is like, you have foot issue. If I have back problem, I'm gonna go, that's not it. I'm looking for back solution. So you have to lead your marketing with what your client's pains are, but then you have to educate them on what it actually is. So this is the symptom versus the root of the problem. But most people go with the root of the problem or, uh, or a solution way too fast. I call it pain island, pleasure island. <laughs> Everybody wants to be on pleasure island. You're now on pain island. Between pain island and pleasure island, there are a bunch of sharks and you've got no boat. <laughs> I have a boat to help you there. It's a metal boat nonetheless. So if I actually talk to you about are you sick and tired of being on pain island? And how much would your life be better if you were on pleasure island? If the pain isn't big enough on pain island, there is no, even though it's $2, there's no amount of money that people are going to invest if the pain is not big enough. When the pain is large enough, then it doesn't really matter what you charge. If your solution highlights the pain, resolves the pain intelligently, then no matter what you charge, people will buy. Now, I'm not saying gouge your clients. I'm saying be intelligent with, with how you're pricing your offers. However, you know there are people who, who charge $20,000 for a strategy day and they sell. 
which means that there are big enough problems with big enough companies that will, right? But if you find it in your mind and your mindset is nobody will ever buy this if it's more than $49, then you're right. You know, Henry Ford said, whether you think you are, you're right or not, either way, whether you think you can or think you can't, either way, you're right, right? So let's mm. not screw this up, Isabel. It's such a great quote. Let's not screw this up. <laughs> but, uh, but ultimately, it's about the level of pain versus, so in COVID, when we were talking about, if I was continuing to talk about branding through COVID, people would go, that's ah, not really what I need. So I repositioned my offer to helping them pivot pivot and position, reposition themselves as the first, the best, or the only. In a COVID problem time, ah, that works. That's like, oh, that's what I need. Yet I'm providing the same service, right? So it's, yeah. it's, all, it's all in the positioning, my friend. <laughs> Is it possible to, you know, I think we are all stuck by these unseen forces and these unseen... Um, mentalities maybe even is it possible to get past us and, and get and take your business to the next level uh without somebody like a coach or like some external coach some external person saying this is what i see and this is what is blocking you from from you know reaching your goal well the answer is yes but why would you so hmm. let me explain yes can an individual take their business from here to there on their own. Yeah, you know, yes. What it's going to do though is it's going to take you 15, 20 years to get somewhere where you could have gone within two years with someone who's already been there, done that, and someone who can advise you and mainly keep you focused and mainly keep you focused on what matters, right? On the right priorities. Because a lot of small business owners, we wear a lot of we wear a lot of hats. And at some point we don't know which hat is most profitable or which hat should we focus on and having a third person that's not in the forest with you like the time to have a map to go into the forest is before you enter the forest you know it's better now is it too late when you get a map while you're in the forest no it's better to have a map lost in the forest than not having a map so a coach and a mentor or a build to rock program those are like gps's for business and if you had a choice of you know, going through the Amazon uh, with a GPS or without a GPS. Can you do it without a GPS? Yes. Would I recommend Maybe. it? I don't know. No. Yeah, I don't know, know if I would. <laughs> uh, my chances would be much greater with a GPS, right? So anyways, my take. I love your, uh, your metaphors, especially <laughs> all the jungle metaphors. I think they're awesome. Um, I want to switch uh, to, uh, you've done a number of TED Talks. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience um, speaking on stage? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, landing a TED Talk is definitely a process in itself. It's a lengthy process. The first TED Talk, I was invited, so I didn't have to go through this whole shebang of, of audition and um, so I was invited and, and believe it or not, I declined that invitation three years in a row <laughs> because I knew how much work it goes into a TEDx, right? It's much easier to do a 90 minute, actually, it's much easier to lead a one day workshop than it is to do a 13 minute TED talk. Mm. Um, so, but the, the whole process is one, it's fantastic, you know, as a seasoned speaker, I learned a lot still because a TED talk is very different than 
being on stage and being able to ad lib and being able to like go off script or off bullet form and just kind of tell stories because the audience is calling for one, right? It's not the same at all. So it's, it's grueling. It's definitely not for the faint of hearts. Um, I never thought I'd have two. Uh, after my first one, no was the answer. And then my partner, Margarita, uh, had something she wanted to share and said, you know, would you do it with me? And I thought, I don't think it's permitted. Like, I've never really seen a tandem TED Talk. They're very rare. And mm -hmm. most are really bad, actually. I've, in, in doing ours, we've researched many. And we've seen a few that were just so bad. I thought, I thought we did a, a fairly good job. It's actually really difficult to do a tandem talk. You know, to not to not steal energy or visual energy while you're not talking, but still not look like a deadbeat or not interested or um, and then remembering where the script is at so that you can actually chime in as if, you know, this is the first time you do it and you're winging it. But ultimately, I mean, uh, my our newest doc has over 100,000 views. My first one has almost three million views. Um it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to prepare for a TED Talk and it's every bit worth it. And TED Talks are about, you know, if you're out there going, oh my God, I, it's been on my bucket list to have a TED Talk. We help uh, people uh, position a TED Talk application. I am right now on the curation team for a TED, uh, a TED event. I have been many times on the curation team as well as on the coaching team for TEDx. And um so I can, I can actually help if you've got a, a subject in you. However, TED Talks are, they're not like, oh, I have a story to tell. Something happened to me and I'd like to be indulgent and share the world. It's got to be what is a common problem worldwide that is well known and what is a new spin or a new solution that you have that you feel could shift, could bring a shift in thinking. Um, and to actually have a TED Talk gives a, a uh, an immense amount of credibility. Uh, I have been able to get on much larger stages as a result of having had a TED Talk, right? So um, it's good. It's, it's a fantastic process and very grueling. There's hundreds of hours for a TED Talk and countless. I, we must have practiced no less than a thousand times before we stepped on stage and actually did it for real to a point where I couldn't hear myself telling it one more time. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to give you a softball question and sure. is, is this, does uh, a TED talk help with your brand? And if so, how? 100%. So, uh, you know, it actually brings a lot of credibility. All I have to say is I have a TED talk with almost 3 million views and people will stop and listen to anything I have to say. Now, at the end of the day, I utilize this. I leverage this for good, right? Obviously. Um, but yes, having a TED Talk absolutely does help. Um, it helps credibility, it helps with influence, and it helps creating a movement. If you're, if you're on, the, on the path or, or your passion is to create a movement, then obviously um, having a worldwide stage uh, is a great way to go. Now, once a TED Talk is done, there's still a lot of work, right? There's pre-TED Talk, then there's the stage time, which is actually, in my opinion, the easiest out of the all, and then, and still very stressful. My first TED talk was in front of 3,000 people. That's no, that's no small audience, right? No, it's not, yeah. And then after that, then you have to promote it. You have to always, like if you, if you email me, I email you back in my signature, my TED talk is there. 
It's at the bottom of, of every email. It's in my nurture campaign. It's at every time that I go speak, I talk about my TED Talk. So it requires a lot of promotion. You don't get the 3 million views overnight just because, you know, it's, it requires um, intelligence, smarts, mm. and, uh, and a, lot of, a lot of patience. So I know my audience, you know, a lot of them do want to do a TED Talk and they have some sort of idea in their mind. What is something that they can do to make that a reality? Well, um, one thing that helps a lot, and this is why I created this, this is free. Um, it's a form that I've created a questionnaire to help people. It's, it mimics a TEDx application. Now, understanding mm -hmm. that every TEDx in the world is a franchise. So they're all led a little bit differently. However, there's still an application process. And I've, I happen to have spoken on two of the most gru grueling and high-end TEDx's um, in the world, basically, So, which are both in Vancouver, lucky us. <laughs> uh, and literally, it's uh, so I've mimicked the application into a form that really gets you or your audience really thinking. So these are the questions that you'll have to answer in applying. The more time you have to really ponder these questions and really dig deeper, then the more your application may actually end up being retained or, or given light of day, right? So, mm -hmm. so it's about choosing which TEDx franchise you would like to speak at. Um, each have different themes, each are led differently. But truly, this is why I created this little... Um, form to really help people figure out their idea, because that's the biggest thing. How many applications did I see that were very self-indulgent? You know, it was all about the story, the story of what happened negatively, positively. And then there was no shift in thinking. TEDx is not about, it's not a platform to share, uh, to share a tragic or an amazing story, unless there's a shift in thinking. And unless there's a an action step that you can actually give to people. Uh, like, I'll give you an example. My TED Talk is about what you tolerate, you worry about. So instead of focusing on diminishing worry, which everybody wants, I was able to establish that whatever you worry about, there's a link to something you're tolerating. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on eliminating what you're tolerating, you will automatically eliminate some of your worry. So that's a new spin on a very common problem. And of course, I gave some stories that help the point. So the, the point of the story, a TED Talk is not about having a story and that's that. It's about having an idea that is worth spreading and having a couple or one story that supports and proves it, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, so, and if I can give you the link to uh, this questionnaire so you can put yes. that in the show notes. That would be amazing. Uh, after, yeah. yeah. So should people start out with the message and then find a story uh, that goes with that message or how should people actually craft their, their talk? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not about the story. Um, it's about the idea. So what is the problem? And this goes, what I'm about to say here for TEDx is the same for business. Mm. Right? You can't just go, oh, what am I going to offer to who? You go, who do I want to work with? And what are these prob biggest problems? What are these people's top of mind problem? What stops them from sleeping at night? And what do I have that can actually resolve that? So TEDx is the same thing. It's like, hmm, what is a problem that I think that I have a really new way of approaching that would create a shift? 
And then from there, you actually build your case, right? Mm-hmm. So you build your case around what stories will I utilize to prove my point? Yeah. Gotcha. And then can you talk a little bit more about how you promoted your TED Talk? Oh, I have a whole presentation about that, actually. Um, <laughs> it's a whole Prezi. Literally, I have, um, I have joint ventures. So I have people in my community that have good, uh, good communities, large communities. So I connected with them and asked them to promote. So uh, we call that joint ventures. So I JV'd with some of my awesome influential people. I've posted my TED Talk absolutely everywhere. Um, I've created a talk uh, specifically around my TED Talk so that I can, when I give that talk, I actually in, invite people to watch the TED, the TED before they come to the talk. Um, what else? It's everywhere in our emails. Um, it's in our email signature. I've definitely emailed about it. And so what I've done as well is I've deconstructed the talk and I've extracted a few different sub, not subjects, because in one TED Talk, there's only one subject, but there's a couple of ways that you can connect and share that particular with different examples. And so I created a little mini series of videos or Facebook lives to actually go, hey, in my TED Talk, I talk about this. I want to actually drill a little bit deeper around that subject. And if you haven't watched my TED Talk, go watch it. It's here, right? So on podcasts like this, that mm. we talk about my TED Talk. Now, your community, which I had no access to or no uh, knowledge of before today, now all these people, should they listen to your awesome podcast here, now they'll be aware of the TED and they're most likely going to go if they don't uh, to their own peril. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that those are the way, some of the ways in which I've uh, promoted the TED. Awesome. Um, and then, sorry, I'm I'm jumping around a little bit. Here. No worries. Hope, hope that's okay. Yeah. Um, when to prepare for your speech? For should people practice in other stages? And if so, where's a good place to practice and build up their speaking capabilities? Yes. And so, uh, awesome, awesome question, actually. So a lot of the TEDx's, some TEDx franchise will accept new speakers, some won't. So the one that I was just a part of, you have to have spoken to audiences of more than 100 to even apply for this TEDx. Um, But yes, once you, so the process is you get your theme approved by the TEDx uh, organization. Then you need to go to scripting because TEDx's are all scripted and learned word for word. There is no room nor any time to ad lib in a TEDx. So it's scripted. Once your text is all approved by the actual TEDx team of coaches, then they start, then you start learning it. And then they coach you on um, gesturing. They coach you on humor. They coach you on pacing. They coach you on voice. And there's a lot of coaching that goes into a TEDx. Not all TEDx franchises offer coaching. The two that I've been at was grueling coaching, which is good. So once you know your script, yes, it's about practicing. We practiced it. I say we because my last one was was with my partner, but no less than three times a day for three months. And then we had people come over. We have a retreat center here, so we have a fairly big space. Um, This was all pre-COVID. And then we invited about 20 people. We did it for that small audience. 
we ask questions about what do you understand? Because sometimes you think that what you're sharing, people understand. If you share A, you think they hear A. But sometimes they hear C and you need to know that, right? So, and then you could go to uh, small chambers or places, networking events where you could go, hey, I'm, I'm gonna do a TEDx. I would like to have a, the floor for 15, 20 minutes so that I can practice my TEDx and then take questions. Uh, yes, we do recommend that you give it. If the first time you really give it for real is in front of that audience, you're in trouble. Well, Isabel, I'm going to ask you one last question. And this is something I ask all my guests. And that is, is there a book that you like to gift or one that you maybe like a, a favorite book that you have? Yes, uh, I have two favorite books, which I'm going to share right here. One of them is called Essentialism. And that's by Greg McCowan. You can buy that on, on Amazon. Essentialism, the art of, it's right here. I always have it very close by. Um, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less uh, yes. But Better. Yeah, right? That's a good one. Amazing book. Um, it will change the way, by the way, I was raised an essentialist and hmm. Greg gave me language. When I read that, I was like, oh my God, this is how I was raised. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's the first book. The second book is Sitting on the Fence, uh, A Journey into Love. Mm. It is my partner, Margarita, wrote this book uh, last year. It became a bestseller within uh, a week of being on Amazon. Wow. If you are a heart-centered entrepreneur and you actually want to breed, I will say, breed more love into your work and into your relationship, that book is an absolute must-read. It mm -hmm. is funny. It is um, touching and it is extremely helpful for anyone who's looking to better relationships in business, relationships in their lives, uh, and literally operate from a standpoint of uh, unconditional love. And so I'll also give you those links yes. uh, into the show notes. Awesome. And that should be everybody. Everybody should uh, be breathing more love into the relationships Agreed. no matter what. So uh, the book is really for for every entrepreneur, it sounds like. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then you have a masterclass that you wanted to share with us as well. I do, yes. The masterclass is absolutely free. It's 90 minutes of pure gold. It's called Get Paid Well for Your Genius. Three major warning signs that your small business might not be set up to win in today's mm. economy. So I will give you that, that link in the show notes. Uh, it's 90 minutes of real good information to really help you um, take your business to the next level. Awesome. And where else can, if people want to connect with you, where's a good place for them to reach out to you? Yes. Our main website is leapzonestrategies.com. And then within the Leap Zone ecosystem, there's a lot of free and awesome um, educational tools. For example, we have Leap Tools. So if you go to leapzonestrategies.com and go to the menu, Leap Tools, Lots of free tutorials around how to tame your inbox, how to prioritize, how anything short tutorials, all delivered by me and Jim, one of the coaches here, um, all free. And then, of course, we've got our Leap TV episodes. Leap TV is our online uh, online show, online TV show about branding and business growth. All of that is absolutely free on our website at leapzonestrategies.com. Yes, and I should add that the TV show is amazing. There's uh, so much good information there. I was watching the one on CRM, especially, it was really good, but there's yes. tons, you know, for 
entrepreneurs is really golden. So I highly, highly, highly recommend you check it out. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's super helpful. Yeah. Well, Isabel, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. And I look forward to connecting with uh, your community as when I get emails, I respond. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.